Welcome back to Pick Up the Phone. Today we have a caller on the line. Who are we speaking with? Hi, my name's Paulo. Hi, Paulo. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. When we were trying to brainstorm what Paulo wanted his desk chair expertise to be in for this episode, um, you mentioned to me that you are like a lifetime chess player. Well, <laughs> I have played chess in my life. <laughs> That's that is true. But um, I played a lot when I was little. Um, I fourth grade to like eighth grade and like would occasionally go to tournaments maybe like once a month and then I kind of just dropped off because I feel like in high school playing chess wasn't that cool but now you know it's kind of made a resurgence um, especially with like the new show Queen's Gambit that's old at this point. I think that definitely counts as being a longtime chess player if you did it seriously enough that you competed. How did you get started? Um, my dad made me. <laughs> the, the way every kid gets a hobby, <laughs> they were physically forced to do it by a parent. Right. My dad was like, this will help you think better and plan strategies and stuff. And me, a fourth grader, was like, yeah, I don't got anything better to do after school. I feel like everyone's parents read the same book that was like, different things you can give your child that will actually stimulate their mind and like make them a problem solver. And it's like, what if I just wanted to do something to have fun? But everything was like, oh, you play an instrument so that your brain can learn to think in different ways. Oh, you play sports so that like you can conceptualize working with a team and like strategy. I was like, what if I just wanted to kick a soccer ball around? Right. Yeah. And they also made me play an instrument and play sports too. So it's... (laughs) Wait, what instrument, what sports? Let's compare. Uh, I played piano. Me too. Um, and I played basketball. Me too. Oh my god. <laughs> I played every sport though. I played basketball, soccer, I swam, I played tennis, Damn. I t-ball. I was one of those kids. I, okay. I, I like. I was always doing like three activities back to back. Okay, I got nothing on you. I was not that athletic. You went the other way. I didn't get, um, I went actually nerdier as I got older and by the time I got to high school, I... I can't even bear to say this out loud. I I participated in competitive coding tournaments. Oh gosh. Okay. Did did you consider yourselves athletes? <laughs> no, we did not. Oh, okay. <laughs> we didn't we didn't consider ourselves much of anything. We pretty much like stole snacks and then like came in last place every time. The snacks at hackathons and and like coding competitions are always like the best. Yeah, no, it was great. I would I would like make myself lunches for like a straight week based off of those okay sorry i totally sidetracked chess so you started chess a wee little fourth grader ready to stimulate your brain right did your dad buy you a chess set um no because you know how when you're younger and you pick a hobby and then every single like extended family member gets that thing for you for christmas (laughs) yes i had like six chess sets just given to me for christmas so I didn't, my dad didn't need to buy me anything. Are there actually pros and cons to different chess sets? Like what makes oh, them better? Oh, 100%. You ever see those like novelty, like glass chess sets? Like sometimes you see them on like a coffee table on like a really yeah. fancy place, right? Those glass chess sets suck because the, the, you can't really tell the difference between black and white because it's like clear and slightly less clear. <laughs> So those ones are pretty bad. Those ones are just for show. If they have, if you see, ever see that at like a house, you know they're a fake fan. 
Yeah, I associate those with like a place that charges $7 for a cup of coffee. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, sometimes like a lot of the real tournament chess sets have like these metal weights inside the pieces. So it's pretty satisfying to like pick them up and lay them down and like knock over your opponent's piece with them. So those are the Do best. they make like a nice plunk? Yeah, it, there's a specific, very distinct sound. I can't really describe it right now, but it, it if you, if I you can know, find you, one online, I'm gonna insert it into the podcast here. It's very satisfying. So, which chess set did you choose? So, I ended up using, and I still use. It's like the only one I kept of the ones, the million chess sets that I was given. I kind of regifted them. My bad. But it's like the one that kind of comes from the tournaments. It's this weird like leather and you roll it out and it has all the pieces with the weights on the bottom, like I just described. Um, And it was given to me by my uncle who at the time I thought he was like some big grandmaster. Like, I think I just misunderstood uh, his his level because grandmaster is like, there's like only like a couple hundred grandmasters in like the world and he is not one of them. But at the time, I was like, oh my gosh, he's amazing. This is like a Grandmasters uh, chess set. And I like flexed everyone. And then someone was like, Paulo, like, we can literally look up a list of Grandmasters right now. And like, if he's not on there, then you're capping. <laughs> and you were like, I would never lie about that. Yeah, literally. Like, why would my uncle lie to me about that? I would never lie about that. Like, that's what he told me. But of course, he didn't actually tell me. I just misinterpreted it. So, but your uncle did play chess? He did play chess, yes. And he was pretty good. This is Camelia. Please pick up the phone. I'm trying to remember the first time I played chess. Um, I didn't play much at all, but we had like a chess set for kids that was Mm -hmm. called No Stress Chess. Oh yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, and you could, like, pull cards that would, like, tell you where to move the chess pieces, which is the opposite of the point of chess. Yeah, I feel like that makes it more stressful. That just, like, adds more to the game. Well, I don't understand how you're supposed to win if you're just drawing a card until someone happens to, like, stumble your king into something. (laughs) Well, It's, like, the whole point of chess is you can move any of the pieces. Right. And you, like, don't know where the other person is going to move them. Right, but at that point, it's just deterministic, and it's like, okay, whatever cards they tell you, that's pretty funny. So do you, do you think that, like, turned you off from chess? No, I don't know. It just never, like, struck a, a love in me, but I still remember how to play it, so, like, I could sit down and play. I just never felt, like, deep enough into it that I was interested in the strategy. I was just like, uh, okay. That's fair. Yeah. I think I didn't really understand, like, good strategy until, like, recently. Because even when I played competitively, I kind of just did the same moves at the opening every time. And then when it wasn't that, I would just freak out. Mm. <laughs> did you practice every day? Like, how serious did you treat it? I, I practiced, yeah, I would be practicing a lot. And I read books and, and shit like that. Like, because people would get me booked. Oh my god, you were too. that kid. Right. And I, <laughs> like, instead of going outside and, like, touching grass, I was just in at home reading my chess books. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I would practice pretty often. And my dad my dad would play with me pretty often, too. And he likes to say that, like, the first 50-something times that we played, like, he beat me, like, 100% of the time. 
And then <laughs> there came a point, like something switched, and I beat him once, and then he like never won again. That's cool. That is very Queen's Gambit of you. Uh, well, <laughs> that this that is, record. This is the narrative arc of this episode. Is that you are the Queen's Gambit. Oh my god, I have nothing. Oh my gosh, that's flattering. I'm not like Beth Harmon. She's too cool for me. Beth Harmon is too cool for all of us, to be honest. Yeah, honestly, yeah, for sure. Something about chess in the fifties to early sixties is also like extra cool. I don't know why. Well, there's actually some pretty pretty juicy gossip in the chess world nowadays. Have you heard about this? No. This is like super recent. I'm glad that we had this call now because this is like hot off the press. Oh my god, breaking chess news. People are calling it the biggest chess scandal in like 1500 years. It's crazy. What was the last one? Like the invention of chess? <laughs> <laughs> right now, the best chess player in the world is Magnus Carlsen. He's this Norwegian guy. He's the highest rated player ever. Can I just say, that name sounds like he is a book main character who would be a chess champion. Yeah, his name's Magnus. Like his kid, his parents like prepared him for, for greatness, probably, by naming that. Like if your name is Magnus Carlsen and you're not a super genius, you've let us down. But yeah, so Magnus recently participated in this big chess tournament called the Sinkfield Cup. And this upstart 20-something-year-old prodigy named Hans Niemann beat him in in a match, which in of itself is like not that scandalous. Like he, even though he's the best player in the world, he loses sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. But then right after he lost, Magnus Carlsen then tweet, sent this really ominous tweet that was like, like, I'm resigning, I'm quitting the tournament. And he linked this video of some, like, football coach saying, like, if I say anything, I will be in trouble. And everyone's like, what does this mean? And it's, it's pretty heavily implied that Magnus thinks that this kid is cheating. Oh, shit. And this kid has cheated before. He's, like, been caught cheating in online tournaments before when he was, like, 12 years old. Right? So it's been, like, 10 years. But how are you supposed to cheat over the board? Right? They have all sorts of metal detectors and stuff. And, like, and, you know, everyone can see what's happening. You know, it's way easier to cheat in online chess. You just have another computer. And the computer tells you the best move. But over mm-hmm. the board chess, everyone's like, oh, my gosh, how are you supposed to cheat? So who are we supposed to believe? He's some upstart prodigy. He might but just be amazing. Or he's cheating and he's found some really just crazy way for him to, for the computer to feed him moves. And the 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 biggest meme theory is that this guy had anal beads that vibrated at a certain like in like morse code or something to give him the best move is this is this is true facts this is true stuff and this is is this based in this is what people actually think well it's it it's kind of a meme but how else are you supposed to sneak into the tournament right it's like yeah that's crazy and also someone did an analysis recently and like compared his moves to like the like the engine, the best moves from the computer. And like even like the chess greats like Bobby Fischer at their peak were only like seventy percent of the best moves of compared to the engine, right? Magnus Carlson mm-hmm. only ever hits like seventy, seventy five percent in his like competitive games. But this kid is hitting like a hundred percent accuracy to the computer. Okay, that is weird. That is weird, right? But we doesn't have Because it's also like people have their own style. Yeah, I, and a computer just goes based off of whatever the algorithm says is best. Over the course of the years, it's like the algorithm is like pretty much perfect, right? So right. how can you be computer perfect 100% of the time in these tournaments? So 
it's a big thing, still unresolved. Big juicy chess gossip. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> it's 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 funny because there's so much there's so much cheating in like sports and other things, but mm-hmm. in chess and like these strategic things, like I feel like there's big scandals with like the Rubik's Cube competitions too, like things like that. Mm-hmm. I think that nerds like police each other way more. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Like if like a soccer team cheats, the other team just like cheats harder. Right. Or like they'll just take more performance enhancing drugs, <laughs> but like nerds are like, I will get you. <laughs> Wait, who was Bobby Fisher that you mentioned before? Bobby Fisher is this really he was from like the era of chess that you're talking about where like chess used to be really like cool and noir and suave and whatever. Bobby Fisher was this really great chess player from America at a time when the, every good player was in Russia. So it's also kind of Cold War vibes too. Kind of like Queen's Gambit, actually. And um, But Bobby Fischer eventually literally went insane and like went like came went completely off the face of the earth. He like fucked off to the woods or something. Nobody knows what happened to him. Um, he like disappeared at his peak. And then suddenly, a couple of years later, came back and played a, a little bit again. But at that point, he was like kind of cuckoo. So... He's kind of revered as like a really great chess player, but he's insane. Damn. Is Queen's Gambit based off of him? Because that sounds very similar. Um, I, I'm gonna I don't know. Right I have no idea. Um, do you think chess made him crazy? Oh, 100%. <laughs> he even invented his own style of chess called Chess 960, wherein um, instead of starting with like all the pawns in the front and your king in the middle and like this, this standard setup, he said, um, okay, we're going to randomly place every piece in the first two rows still, but like just shuffle them around because he got too bored of regular ass chess. Mm-hmm. And so he called it chess 960 because there's like 960 different variations of this starting set. I kind of like that actually. That's kind of It is kind of cool. I've never tried it though. Because like chess is just like, I feel like the beginning is, is the slowest part. No, it's the, the beginning is the fastest part. What? No, no, no. Well, like, it's just, like, all you can do is move. Like, I feel like you're just limited for a little bit. Um, I guess, yeah, you are limited. Like, there's the op- the same, like, starting point has been played out, like, millions of times. So there's kind of mm-hmm. standard openings that people have. And it's almost, like, robotic. Like, as soon as someone plays this move, you just do this move without thinking. And people have their favorite openings and like they have favorite counterplay and gambits and things like that. That's where you get the name Queen's Gambit. That's an opening. Wait, what is a gambit? A gambit is when you sacrifice a piece in order to gain better position. Oh. Right. So the Queen's Gambit is white plays D4. Yeah, the Queen's Pawn is D4. So the Queen's Pawn goes forward. Uh, the, The other person's Queen Pawn go forward. And then you push another pawn the white, white pushes another pawn and basically the pawn is undefended encouraging black's queen's pawn to take it hence the queen's gambit god i didn't even know that was named after a move that's kind of a a fancy schmancy name for just like sacrificing it chess openings tend to have really fancy names and it's like it it's just random sets of moves like it's funny in chess.com which is one of the most popular chess sites for people to play um mm-hmm. it'll tell you what opening you're playing and, like, when you're a beginner and you don't know what you're doing, it's like, oh, I just played, like, the Nimzo Indian defense. And it's like, you just 
I had no idea, right? You're just standing there, like, moving your pawn, and it'll be like, now I'm playing the king takes a stroll around the parlor. And you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it'll be like, knights ride at dawn. And you're like, why at dawn? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's like that. Also, I did Google it, and apparently the Queen's Gambit is, in fact, based off of Bobby Fischer. Really? Yes. Wow, that's crazy. Also, a fun fact for any Queen's Gambit enjoyers is that all the, the chess games were actually like planned out by Gary Kasparov, who at one point was the best chess player in the world. So like they brought him in to consult for the show. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah so all like real games. Okay, wait. So as someone who has gone to tournaments, what what is the vibe of a chess tournament, especially when you're in like middle school? It's kind of overwhelming i i distinctly remember like that was one of the first times i really felt like super nervous like you know that butterflies in like the pit of your stomach Mm -hmm. like you get that before every game and they basically just put you in this big cafeteria or a gym or something it's huge and just got rows and rows of tables like with hundreds of different chess sets all like exactly identical um and they they put a sheet out on the wall outside and it's like, okay, here's your next matchup for the day. And um, once they say start, it's basically completely silent except for the sound of the pieces moving. Creepy. And you're only allowed to say like five. Yeah, it's a little creepy. And you're only allowed to say like five different things. You're only allowed to say check, checkmate. Uh, I offer a draw. Oh, and you can adjust your pieces if you think they're off center and they say adjust. And all the annoying little kids would be like, adjust, 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 adjust at the beginning, like as a, I don't know, just to psych you out or something. So you can't be like, hey, or like, nice move or anything? No, you can't say that. At least once once the time has started. Like beforehand, there's like casual chatter, whatever. But once once the games have started, no. Because you also like, the, there's another game going on three feet to your right and three feet to your left. So you also don't want to distract, distract the other people. Did it feel kind of like standardized testing rooms? Oh, 100%. That's actually a really good analogy. Because that's what I thought of. You know, it's like everybody flips and starts scratching their pencils, and it's, like, kind of eerie. Yeah. Everybody in the room doing the same thing. Yeah, basically. So how did you do? I was okay. I won a couple tournaments. I lost way more. Um, They give you big trophies, even though sometimes, like, (laughs) at the very least, you always get a little medal. I did okay. At my peak, my rating was, like, 750 which looking back is not that good but i thought it was like i thought it was like amazing what's the range for like out of the your age range in the country or the state or oh yeah it is definitely grouped by age range and by a country and by state so uh that's uscf u.s chess federation rating um which is different from elo which is the more standard one nowadays because that's what's done online but Mm. um Right now, Magnus Carlsen has like a 2800 rating. That's like the highest you can go, basically. But technically, it's unbounded. But that's the highest anyone has gone so far. Oh, so the higher the number, the higher you are. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you were like number 750 in the world. Oh, no, 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 no. No, not at all. That would be amazing. <laughs> I, was, I was like, if you were like the 750th best kid, that's actually really cool. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I was not. I wish, I wish. And I remember the first time I went to Virginia Tech actually was for a chess tournament when I was like 10 years old. I, I distinctly remember the kid who won, like got a trophy that was like bigger than him. Oh my God. Taller. It's like three tier trophy. He like couldn't even pick it up. I was like, oh Why my gosh. so big? Jealous. 
because he wanted the he was the best chess player in the state at the time, which is pretty uh, impressive. That is true. Were were some of the kids that were really good like super pompous? Um, no, I think in general, like, well, maybe maybe that's me giving the benefit of the doubt. I never really interacted <laughs> with the kids who were super good. <laughs> Okay, well, what do you think? What do you think the temperament, like, what is a stereotypical chess person? What are they like? Or I guess not stereotypical, but like typical. Like, what are you. A typical chess person? I don't know. Like, yeah. I think that the worst kind of player that you can find at the chess tournament is the ones who bring their own clocks. (laughs) Because there's kind of, it's kind of free for all whether or not you can have one have a clock or not. Um, But if you do bring your own clock, that's like psychologically like, okay, you're putting a lot of pressure on the other person who okay. obviously didn't have a clock, right? And lots of people like don't like to play under time pressure. Uh, you know, it's like taking a standardized test, right? If you had infinite time to think, then you'd probably do really well. Mm-hmm. Is Are there time limits? In bigger tournaments, yeah. Like at our age level, no. Like at least the ones I was playing at, they didn't have to have time limits. Although if you did bring a clock, then you had to have like a certain time control basically mm. but those who brought their own clocks for the tryhards yeah yeah i get that that just seemed annoying now that queen's gambit has made people are saying it's like made chess sexy now do you think that chess should be sexy like should chess be romanticized oh a hundred percent oh my gosh that I, as a chess player myself i'm a little biased <laughs> but i would like to think that chess makes me a little bit more sexy <laughs> you're like chess is cool and chess players are cool especially are... one's named paulo right and <laughs> i'm single by the way no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no but like it's a it's a cool social thing right it's like it's nice to keep up with friends like through playing you know chess online right mm-hmm. um it's I think it's cool to like keep up that that weird mysticism of like oh you play chess like you must be really smart you must have be like a good strength thinker a good strategizer mm-hmm. whatever. It is an extremely elitist sounding hobby. That is a benefit. It is it. a right and like like any competition like you know c- competition can be sexy right mm-hmm. especially like there could be tension between the two people playing chess yes, like that's a battle really of the minds. I feel like we're writing the back cover of a romance novel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you ever did you ever see the end of the Sherlock Holmes movie with Robert Downey Jr.? No, but were they playing chess? They were playing chess in their mind. They're like staring into each other's eyes, like Sherlock and Moriarty, like arch enemies. Well, that's very and romantic. Like, I know, super romantic. And they're like on this waterfall and they're like playing chess in their minds and he's and they're like saying out the moves. And then, like, they beat each other up and jump into the waterfall together, which I think is sexy. Do you think chess is an appropriate date activity? Oh, for sure. What's the number? Like, would you do that? Or are you going to say you've done that? I've done that. It's definitely not first date. I've done that. (laughs) It's not first, like, maybe, like, fifth or sixth date. Okay, okay. You took a big break from chess, but recently it seems like you've been back into it. Um, in fact, when we were planning out the episode, you were like in the middle of playing a chess game. Oh, yeah, you caught me at a good time. <laughs> it was like 10 in the morning and I just woke up and I was like, I'm bored. I'm going to play chess. <laughs> and you texted me like, oh, hey, when are we going to meet? And so that was pretty, 
coincidental. It made me. It made it look like I play chess a lot more often. Than yeah, I yeah. I was like, does he play all day every day? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't play all. I do play pretty often, but not all the freaking time. So what um, kickstarted you back into it? And and you know what kind of makes you love it and want to keep playing? Um, honestly, th- it's because I started working and a couple of the guys at the office play uh, pretty well. Um, and so like during a lunch break or like after work, or if like we're stuck on like some coding thing, we'll just be like, Hey, like play chess with me. Like I need to like get my mind off things. Mm-hmm. Um, and since everyone at work or like, there's a couple of people at work who are like equal to, or slightly above my level, it's pushing me to like practice and get better. That's fun. That is a good yeah, like break cool. sort of thing. I never really thought of it as social, but you're kind of making me rethink it. Everyone's going to gather around and and like comment on the on the board. People will be like, "Oh, Paolo, like you're so screwed." <laughs> or like, "That what a terrible move." It's it's pretty funny. That sounds like a good time. Completely switching gears. Paolo and I met in college together. Um and he was an RA and now that he was not my RA to clarify. I was not I was not your <laughs> RA to be to be very clear. <laughs> and now that you are no longer an RA and no longer a student, I feel like now is the time to spill some secrets about what RA life is really like, if you don't mind. So RA stands for resident advisor. Um, at other schools it's the ac- the words are different, but the acronym's still the same, or still RA. Um and basically, RAs are just like a person who lives on a, in a hall of the dorm and typically has like jurisdiction over the hall to like plan events and like kind of build a community um, and also like crack down on parties. It's kind of a funny concept because you're asking someone who's basically the same age, like my, maybe a year or two older, to sort of be the enforcer but kind of a pal, but also kind of an older sibling to like all of these people who are newly at university. So it's like kind of an odd idea, I feel. Yeah, it is. And and there's always this weird um, dynamic where like, I really wanted to be someone that people could turn to, like if they're having like mental health issues, right? Mm -hmm. Just needed a friend to talk to, but it's hard to be that. And at the same time, if they're wanting to have him be a little bit loud in the room, they don't want, like, I'm the, the boogeyman who, like, yes. has to come down and, like, knock really loudly on their door and, like, yell at them. So it's a weird dynamic, but I tried to lean more into, like, the friendly neighborhood older brother rather than, like, a cop. Like a cop. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> we're the dorm cops. <laughs> I feel like there must be a weird history to being an RA because I definitely feel like at one point universities were like oh like actual adults and faculty members like nobody wants to come live in a hall with college students so what if we just made other college students do it yeah definitely how did you kind of find your groove there if anyone from man cave is listening i know what y'all were doing what is man cave man cave was my hall it was (laughs) sorry sorry sorry. i lived in a co-ed dorm like a co-ed building but Two halls were like uh, single sex, so there was there was a man cave and a lady lair. Ah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is not an official term, but it's just been passed down. Wait, all sounds to this out, but what building were you in? 
weird. I don't even know. I don't know anyone who lived in. It's a weird. It's like a weird vibe. That's fair. They were kind of. Was like super fancy in my opinion, and like they had they had houses, like it yeah. was Hogwarts. Yeah, the Hogwarts were, house thing. <laughs> they were they were called like stupider things. Yeah, Hickory, Holly, Hawthorne, and Honey Locust. But anyway, so you your hall was called the Man Cave. Yeah, it ha- we had a reputation of being kind of the smelly hall. Um, but I got some air fresheners and it really wasn't that bad. (laughs) Do you feel like you got close with a lot of the students? Oh yeah. And when I went back to tech recently, like I hung out with some of my old residents and it's really weird to hang out. Well, it's, it's actually really fun to hang out with your residents after you've been RA because you know, you can like drink and party and have fun with them. And it's like not a big deal. And it's like, haha, back in the day, like I would have like CR'd you for this. CR is like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like um, partying with your mom or dad it, exactly yeah except in this case i'm the mom or dad and they are the kids yes did you ever get a citation and did you ever give a citation i never got it you, you can't get a citation otherwise you like lose your job and also like because the but, job... like freshman year you never got a citation no oh my gosh i almost did though i've <laughs> I was fully like partying. I don't know. It was, it, the RA came by, and I knew like there was just a knock on the door, and I knew instinctively that was the RA. And so I like it's sweet style. So I ducked into one of the rooms, and the people who actually lived in that room were there and like pretending to be asleep. So they were just like sleeping on their bed, and I was just there mm-hmm. in someone else's room. And I was like, oh my god, like. I'm where am I gonna hide? I'm not gonna jump into bed with this other person, right? <laughs> the closets are too too small to fit me. And then I like t- like talked to the guy who was sleeping, and he was like, "Bro, like pretend we're like watching something together, like a movie, and like we're not partying." So I did, and uh, they didn't even go into the room anyways. So I could have just been doing whatever. Wow, those guys were so real for that. Yeah, they were so real. They really covered for me. Did you know them? No, I've never met them in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but at the time I was a, I was in the process of be like interviewing to be an RA and I knew that if I got a CR for being at that party I would lose my job my potential job. Wow, that's scary. Yeah. I got a CR freshman year. You got a CR? What did you do? I actually got a CR for a really dumb reason. It was the week of finals and they're really intense about being quiet and you know keeping um quiet hours and no run just like not causing a fuss and whatever during finals week so people can focus and study mm-hmm. and um i went over with a few friends like the night before finals started to just like have a nice night to see my friends and not uh, think about school for a little so we're just sitting in one of my friend's rooms there's like six of us girls just hanging out and like talking and like listening to some music and we hear a knock on the door we open it up it's two ra's and they clearly thought that they were going to bust a party mm-hmm. because they looked really smug and they like marched in and they were like, we know what you're doing. You've been caught. And then we were like, uh, and then they realized that we were like sober and like just girls listening to some like alt rock on like a Tuesday, <laughs> just like sitting and talking with their friends. But I think that then they were embarrassed to be wrong. And so then they were like, well, we're giving you a CR for, like, being too loud on Final Seek. Like, you know that's against the rules. Um, and then we had to go to, like, um, whatever the citation court is. 
Oh, the honor court? Yes, we had to go to honor court and, like, argue it. Were you even, like, screaming loud to the music or something? You were literally just talking. No, the music was quiet. It was, like, background music, and we were just talking. It was, like, really very much not loud. Oh, my gosh. Well, you should have known not to talk to your friends during finals, Camelia. Come on. I know. I know. (laughs) I almost got another CR another time. I was in the engineering dorm, which had famously weird RAs. Oh, yeah. At least in my... I know some people who are RAs there, and they were great. But Mm. I feel like some of the RAs there were, like, really into the rule cracking down on. Mm -hmm. It was just really, really hot. Like, the dorm didn't have air conditioning, and it was, like, August or something. So... My friends and I had, like, people had basically, like, tucked their shirts into crop tops or, like, taken off to, like, just wear a bralette or, like, a crop... Because it was, like, really hot. Yeah. And so, like, half the people had, like, taken off a shirt or jacket. Mm-hmm. And then this RA opened up the door and, like, saw all of us. And I think she thought it was, like, a sex party. Oh, no. Not in the engineering building. <laughs> and she looked so scared. She was like... Bye, <laughs> and like ran out, and I was like, "Oh no!" That I actually wish you could have corrected, and been like, "No, it's just so hot in here." Oh no, that's so awkward. I gotta ask, did you like your freshman year RA? Yes, I I loved her so much. So I don't I don't know if she's ever gonna. I was gonna shout her out, but I don't know if she's ever gonna hear this. But she was really great, and definitely set a nice tone of being like very friendly and supportive to us. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Because it's always, like, 50-50. Like, they, people hated their RA or, like, it's, like, they loved it. Did you like yours? Did that, like, influence oh, you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, and that, that definitely influenced me to to apply. Okay, wait. So, let's talk about some things you've seen on your time as an RA. Oh, gosh. Um, there was a theater in the building that I was in. And, you know, like, the theater, it's dark. You can watch whatever movie you want to. Like, weird sex stuff happened in that theater. Sorry for anyone who's listening who lives there right now. Okay, when you say weird sex stuff, do you mean that people had sex in the theater or that they, like, played sex movies? Both, 100%. Okay. Because <laughs> you can plug in whatever you want. It's college. It's All college, of, it. of course. It, the theater's right there. It's right down the hall from you. Yeah, I... Oh, gosh. I did not know there was a theater there. I lived in a normal person dorm. Yeah, the dorm was far too fancy for... for... Or what it was. Um, there's like a gym and like a theater and like all sorts of other amenities. Um, air conditioning included. Ugh. <laughs> so, Can't imagine. Yeah. So there is weird. Uh, no, I think the the craziest RA thing that I had to deal with was these two um, these two girls who were roommates. This is no longer in man cave, obviously. You know, they seem to get along just fine. I didn't really talk to them too much. And then one day. One of them comes to me and was like, Paulo, like, I don't feel safe in my room. And I was like, okay, this seems like really serious. Like, what's up? And they were like, she was like, oh, I, you know, I just heard from one of my friends that my roommate had made a group chat with all of our mutual friends except for me. (laughs) She said, oh, my God, I hate this bitch so much. I swear to God, I'm going to cut off all her hair in her sleep. So specific. I was like, what? Like, this didn't happen in Man Cave. Like, men don't really talk about their feelings. So this was a, this was new for me. And so I was like, okay, like, we got to sit down. Two of them. So, like, I approached the other roommate and casually, like, for some other reason, pretending to say, oh, you know, we just 
we haven't talked in a while, let's catch up. And really it was just to get the two of them in like a room together mm-hmm. or propose the idea of them to talking and she seemed pretty open to it. So they sat and they like kind of just like talked it out. Um, and I didn't really have to do anything. I like kind of like asked a couple of questions and if things got a little heated, I like kind of like tried to like calm things down. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, um, like there wasn't really so much I could do. That was kind of just like drama between the two of them. And then this is this is during COVID, so they couldn't like move people around in rooms. So they had to just kind of stick it out for the rest of the semester. And then eventually Oof. like one of them moved. The one who uh, approached me first, the one whose hair was threatened to get cut off, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really surprising because the person who supposedly threatened this like seemed like a really nice person. And I'd still kind of unclear whether or not those allegations were true. Um, mm-hmm. But I heard from... The other roommate, the one who stayed, and the one who supposedly was going to do the hair cutting, uh, I spoke to her afterwards, months later, and she was like, "Yeah, Paulo, like my roommate like hated you." Hated you? Yeah, and she she was like, "Yeah, she didn't like how you handled our whole situation, and she thought you were gay." <laughs> I was like, "I was like, is that related?" yeah 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 she's she's like yeah also like i think you're a horrible bad person do you like thai food (laughs) yeah like um yeah so well i feel like you did the best you could because like since she couldn't move i mean it's like all they could do is work things out with each other unless there was like proof of of a threat or something or else she was gonna have to like file a case with the school yeah I don't so, think you have that power. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that. I, I yeah, I, I I thought for a while like what more could I have done, but yeah, there really wasn't much I could do. Well, I mean that's the thing. Like as an RA, you you are kind of there for minor disputes, but then like or minor trouble or something. But mm-hmm. like other things, you have to like bring up the ladder. Yeah, um, we we're kind of like first aid, like. First aid's like, you know, you have a, you put on a Band-Aid, but, like, it's not, like, the permanent solution to everything, right? Right. Because I know I have another friend who's an RA who was saying that, like, y'all are mandated reporters. So, mm-hmm. like, if somebody tells you something serious related to the state of their mental health that makes you think they're going to harm themselves or others, like, you have to raise it up the chain of command. Yeah, basically. Um, but that is kind of an intense situation. Yeah, um... I definitely wasn't prepared for that. To prepare you to be an RA, they give you like these, uh, they do these skits. It's kind of like improv sketches during RA training before the semester starts. Some, a current RA will like pretend to like be in a mental health crisis and have like the incoming RAs like deal with it. Or they'll like pretend to have a roommate dispute and have the incoming RAs deal with it. Honestly, that was the most fun part and helpful part of the training. What do you feel like you gained? Anything that stays with you from being an RA? Um, and are you glad you did it? I'm glad I did it because I definitely met people who I would have never like interacted with Mm -hmm. before. And like some of my closest friends are, I met through being an RA, whether they're other RAs or like my residents. I think I gained, I hope that I gained a little bit of empathy and like (laughs) being able to uh, empathize with people and be able to talk to them about stuff. It made me like appreciate kind of the the little things that people do to like make your college experience better 
you know, putting on little events or like just like having someone to talk to when you like when there's no one else. Like, I don't know. It's kind of cheesy. That's okay. I think I think I expect cheese from something like that. I mean, I think when you work with a lot of people. Yeah, it's very nebulous and it's definitely case by case. Like it depends on because your residents are going to come in with some expectation of what they want college to be. Right. Mm-hmm. And combine multiply that by 30 or 40. And, and and everyone's just living in such close proximity to each other. And it's very new for everyone. And also I had some residents who were way older than me too. Like my, I had grad mm. students on my hall. I had seniors and juniors and yeah. trying to get everyone to kind of live together in harmony mm-hmm. and have some <laughs> sense of like wanting to be there and building community was a, it was a, it was a fun challenge. Now that you are, officially graduated and not a student or any longer do you feel like how how do you feel like you're coping um with post try hard kid syndrome (laughs) and i will say i'm i am fully speaking for you here but um i was a huge try hard kid and i'm like i know when i see it it's nice it's nice to be able to clock out at 5 p.m and not have to like think about work anymore absolutely but also now I feel like I've overcompensated and tried to fill the void with too many things. Oh no. Like, like, That's not the antidote. I know. I know. Not the antidote. Of course. The try hard game. Like as soon as you're not doing work, I'm just trying to like do other things. What things are you doing? Um, I started rock climbing, which is cool. Also That's kind fun. of so fun and social. Have you ever rock climbed? Uh, no, but actually a lot of my friends at tech were really into it. It's nicer than just, like, pumping weights at the gym, right? Are you doing other hobbies? Or, like, I don't know, do you think you're going to try and slow down on the hobbies? No, I just started playing tennis, too. (laughs) I can't talk. I also play tennis. (laughs) I feel like all of the hoity-toity, like, snobby sorts of activities got really popular lately. Because people were like, wait, we actually can do these things, too. Like, chess, tennis, um, pickleball. Pickleball really is something that 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 is completely over my head. I don't understand pickleball. Why anyone would play that? I don't understand either. And my mom like plays it. Really? <laughs> like, I don't. In my head, it's just mini tennis, and no one will ever tell me otherwise. Yeah, and it's just the name sounds really like it's like doesn't have like a cool name either. I have a friend who was telling me that she started playing squash on occasion, and she's like a normal human person who's like not a part of she's not like something the third right and i was like you play squash and she was like yeah we just like there's like a local place and we could play for free on like whatever and we just go and i was like who knew i didn't even know we had the infrastructure to play squash anymore i i don't i also don't know what squash is (laughs) yeah so okay how how has it been for you as a post try hard um Okay, well, now is where I'm going to sound like a hypocrite for telling you to do less because I don't do less. Um, I try to prioritize spending a lot of time with my friends. Mm-hmm. And I feel like being really busy in school definitely taught me that. That, like, you know, like, if I'm going to have a hard day at school or work, like, I I want to make sure that I'm prioritizing, like, my bonds with my friends. And also that I'm going to work better and just feel better mentally if I'm, like, doing things that are fun for me. Right. So I always prioritize seeing my friends and I prioritize like working out and having time to cook for myself because those are the things that are fun for me. 
And then I do the podcast, which is also fine. Mm-hmm. But, like, when you get through all of that, it's like, I really, I don't have free time. Like, I don't watch TV. I don't watch movies. I don't, I, like, wake up and then I work out and then I go to work and then I hang out with my friends and then I cook myself dinner and then I go to bed. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> you can, like, watch while you eat, like, in the background or something? Yeah, well, I've, I've been trying to. I used to also not watch anything because my parents had, like, no Netflix, no Hulu, anything. But now oh yeah, yeah. now we do. So I'm trying to watch a few things. I've been trying to slow down, but I'm not the best at it. You've reached the voicemail of Camellia. Please hang up and dial again. for listening to this episode of pick up the phone our show would not be possible without the support of our amazing team our executive producer is camelia pastor our audio editor is camelia pastor our graphic designer is camelia pastor our marketing team camelia and pastor sales and analytics camelia pastor and of course this season's intern is camelia pastor